Angie's List is now Angie, and we've heard a lot of theories about why. I thought it was an eco-move. Fewer words, less paper. No, it was so you could say it faster. No, it's to be more iconic. Must be a tech thing. But those aren't quite right. It's because now you can compare upfront prices, book a service instantly, and even get your project handled from start to finish. Sounds easy. It is, and it makes us so much more than just a list. Get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I. Or download the app today. I don't know. I mean, you know, we, I played Georgia Southern four times. You know, obviously when Paul Johnson was there, they, were, they played in the national championship and played them in the second round of the playoffs down there. They, they have better athletes than they look on tape, and that's what I told the players. It's the same kind of thing. This is a big game for them. They played in a bunch of big games. Um, you know, we played them when they were in, in the Sun Belt. They got good athletes and the guys that can run. So I, we told them they're going to be a little bit more twitchier, faster than you see on tape. And, uh, you know, they have a long standing, much like Nebraska. They have a long standing. They've won their five or six national championships. And that way, and it wasn't that long ago, they were pretty good at, uh, they were winning 10, 11 games going to bowl. So, uh, you know, as I said, I'm glad I'm 0-2 at Georgia Southern, so I'm glad we're here in Lincoln this week. So I'm hoping that will be a, an asset. That was Nebraska Offensive Coordinator Mark Whipple with a percussion generously provided by a Memorial Stadium construction crew. He knows this Georgia Southern program. In 1998, Whipple's first season as head coach at UMass, he took the Minutemen to the 1AA playoff as the 11 seed, culminating in a championship matchup against Georgia Southern in Chattanooga, Tennessee. The Eagles, then coached by Paul Johnson, had already won four 1AA titles. But Whipple got the best of that matchup. Georgia Southern would win the national title the following year, beating UMass and Statesboro in the playoffs along the way. When I'm watching football on a Saturday, there are certain programs I'm repelled by for silly reasons, but there are also programs I'm drawn to for equally personal reasons. Georgia Southern is one of the latter. Why? Let me count the ways. Georgia Southern is the answer to the question, what if Alabama were blue? I've always liked that. Always enjoyed those uniforms. Georgia Southern, like Auburn, has an eagle that flies around the stadium before kickoff. Unlike Auburn, Georgia Southern is actually the Eagles. I've been there for a game in Statesboro. It's great. Georgia Southern rose to become a 1AA power through defense and a devotion to the option. Sound familiar? The option is a ghost that haunts Statesboro much as it has in Lincoln in the 21st century. It's not that you have to run the option. It just seems like most people would prefer it. But the real reason I find Georgia Southern so attractive as a program is legendary coach Irk Russell. He was a four-sport letter winner at Auburn. Did you catch that? Four-sport letter winner. Last one to do it at Auburn. From there, he became Georgia's longtime defensive coordinator. When it looked like Vince Dooley was going to leave Georgia for Auburn, also Dooley's alma mater, in the early 1980s, everyone thought Russell would take over as Georgia's head coach. Dooley didn't leave. So Russell decided to take on the challenge of restarting Georgia Southern football. The program, like a lot of programs at the time, ceased playing the sport in World War II. But it stayed dormant for 40 years. It would seem crazy today, a coordinator like Russell, who was viewed as good enough to lead an SEC team, jumping down a division for a program that hadn't existed for four decades. 
Money wasn't tight at Georgia Southern in 1981. It was non-existent. The Eagles had one set of pants, plain white ones, that they wore in practice and in games. Helmet decoration was a piece of white tape on a blue helmet that served as a stripe. The team had to use old school bustles, the yellow ones, to get to the stadium, which it still does today, even though it doesn't have to. It's tradition now. Georgia Southern played two seasons under Russell as a club team, moved up to 1AA, and won a national title in its second year at that level. Russell was a larger-than-life character. He smoked victory cigars. He came up with the motto, GATA, G-A-T-A, get after their asses, which you see everywhere in Statesboro. He'd headbutt players for good plays, his famously bald head straight to the players' helmets. Point is, Irk Russell was awesome. Georgia Southern has been chasing that version of the program for most of the past 30 years. Paul Johnson won there, running the option. Jeff Munkin, currently Army's head coach, won there running the option. Willie Fritz won there running an updated version of the option. But now the Eagles are in a period of transition. Clay Helton is here, and that's the end of the option days. Makes me a little sad, if I'm being honest. But I'll always admire Georgia Southern as a concept. Like Whipple, I'm glad they're coming to Lincoln. You're listening to the IAD Preview Podcast, Huskers Eagles Edition. I'm Hale Varsity Managing Editor Brandon Vogel. Let's talk some football. We'll open the first half of this week's show by reviewing the game tape from last week's podcast. Three keys for Nebraska to beat North Dakota. How did they fare? Number one, I thought the Huskers had to be over five yards of carry. Maybe not have to, but should. With a, with a run game that had plenty of questions to answer coming in. Nebraska went for 5.95, but it's not as good as that number might, might make you think. You watch the game. You probably know. A lot of that was Anthony Grant creating something from nothing. Some of his runs, uh, based on what you saw in the backfield immediately after the snap, uh, they speak well to Grant. Let's put it that way. But we also got a couple of carries from Casey Thompson, which was a nice development, something I think Nebraska will have to do going forward. So overall, it wasn't pretty. It wasn't dominant, really, outside of Grant. But Nebraska went for over five yards of carry. So check mark on that one. Key number two against North Dakota. I wanted to see two sacks out of the Husker defense. That group of edge rushers is just too good, in my opinion, to be held without a sack, which is what happened against Northwestern. And North Dakota was a team that a year ago did a really good job at limiting limiting sacks. And they limited Nebraska to zero in the first half. But Garrett Nelson got a strip sack early in the second half. It was the moment things really kind of flipped in that game, which was tied 7-7 at halftime. Nobody needs to be reminded. And then TCU transfer O'Shawn Mathis also got on the board and had some pressures after he actually got the sack. So a little bit of progress there. Key number two, check mark Nebraska. Final key going into last week's game against the Fighting Hawks, third down. Nebraska was good in the first half on third down against Northwestern, not so good in the second half. And the difference was, well, they got behind the chains. The good news here is Nebraska went 6 of 11 against North Dakota. The better news is, that's 54.5%. The better news is, it was the second straight game the Huskers have been over 54% on third down. 
the bad news from the North Dakota game was the average distance on third down was 8.2 yards to go. Probably not going to be sustainable against many opponents going forward. That said, we'll give the Huskers a check mark, 6 of 11, plenty good enough. And it ended up with a North Dakota game that for as anxious as the atmosphere was in Memorial Stadium at halftime of that game, ended up through the second half landing pretty close to where the opening line put that game. Had the Huskers by 22 points. They ended up with a 21-point win. It wasn't pretty. It wasn't perfect. But it was a win. On to this week's game. Uh, We'll start with a look at the opening line. Georgia Southern opened the Clay Helton era with a 59-7 win over FCS Morgan State. It was a bit of a deceiving blowout. Uh, The the score in this game with five minutes left in the first half was 10-7. Georgia Southern had three interceptions and benefited from a muff punt that set the Eagles up on the Bears' five-yard line. Despite that amazing starting field position, the Eagles only got a field goal out of that drive. It was just a little punchy in the first half. And the opening line for this Nebraska-Georgia Southern game reflects some of that skepticism, I think, around the Eagles. Huskers opened as a 22-point favorite at Circus Sports on Sunday, and the line was trending towards about 24 points midweek. That said, Georgia Southern was one of the biggest risers in SP Plus rankings this week, jumped from 118th in the preseason to 102nd after the first game. Nebraska, which of course has played two games to this point, is down four spots from its preseason ranking to 48th, though its rating has only changed by about a half point. So despite the loss to Northwestern, SP Plus at least isn't seeing a huge difference in the Huskers to this point. That rating system, which comes from Bill Connolly at ESPN, would have Nebraska as about a 21-point favorite, so pretty close to where this line opened. FPI, ESPN's Football Power Index, however, sees a significantly closer game. Nebraska is ranked 49th there, Georgia Southern 94th, and you use the team ratings, add a little bit of home field advantage in there, and it projects a line of Nebraska minus 13. Move into the key players portion of the first half here, and we'll start with the visitors, as we usually do. Uh, Number one for Georgia Southern. Caleb Hood, wide receiver. He was the Eagles' primary playmaker a year ago in the slot, and this new offense is honestly probably a better fit for him. He, he did a little bit of everything last year. He would carry from the slot. He had a couple of pass attempts. Um, now he gets to focus almost purely on pass catching, and it worked well in the opener. He had six catches for 88 yards and a touchdown against Morgan State. He can be a big play guy. He's not the biggest receiver. But he's not the only one that Georgia Southern has that can hurt you. Number two for the Eagles, safety Anthony Wilson. Had kind of a quiet first game, but he's perhaps the best player in a pretty solid secondary. He's earned all-conference honors as a freshman and a sophomore. He's now a junior. He led the Eagles in tackles and pass breakups last season. He didn't have one, but Georgia Southern did have those three interceptions I mentioned in week one. Number three for the Eagles, quarterback Kyle Van Treese. Nebraska fans might remember him most directly for his 81-yard punt last year as Buffalo's quarterback. He was a punter all through high school. 
And Therese is just solid. There's not a lot he hasn't seen at this point. Saturday is going to be his 37th college game. If he has a great game, uh, it probably leads to Georgia Southern keeping this one closer for longer. Flip to the Huskers now. First key player for me is going to be Nickelback Isaac Gifford. He's been encouraging through two games. He's tied for fifth on the team with 11 tackles. Also has a pass breakup. I select him here because he'll probably be pretty busy on Saturday. And when Hood lines up in the slot, Gifford could draw that assignment quite a bit. So it's going to be a a big game for the pass defense, as we'll get into a little bit later. Number two on the list, inside linebacker Ernest Hausman. Look, he's going to be a really good player. He's good enough right now to get the start as a true freshman when Nick Henrich was out last week with an injury. That said, Hausman looks like a freshman at times, and much like Northwestern did when he was in the game, Georgia Southern will probably pick on him a little bit. This offense is going to present a different challenge than what Nebraska has seen the first two weeks. Hausman has nine tackles through the first two games. Third on the list for me, it's going to be a bit of a wild card, but I'm going to go with wide receiver Marcus Washington. Washington only has four catches for 58 yards, but he's made some tough catches through two games. I didn't know really what to expect from him based on his time at Texas. And I would say so far, even though we've got a limited sample size here, he's exceeded my expectations. feels like he's a player that one of these weeks is going to, to break out and, and be Nebraska's leading receiver. Uh, could be this week. Wouldn't be a bad week for it. That'll take us to halftime. Here's meteorologist Rusty Dawkins with the forecast for Nebraska, Georgia Southern. You can follow Rusty on Twitter at, at HuskerWeather and check HaleVarsity.com throughout the week for updates ahead of game day. Hi there, everyone. I'm meteorologist Rusty Dawkins for Hale Varsity, and this is the I-80 preview podcast. And uh, in short, it's it's going to be a soggy one. We've got a decent chance for rain on and off throughout the day on Saturday. It might hear rumble of thunder every now and then as well. So if you have tailgating plans, let's say early afternoon, around noon, temperatures on the cool side. I mean, after 90s for the entire week leading up to this game, we'll be around 70 by noon on Saturday. Showers, thunderstorms possible on and off. A northeast wind at 5 to 15 miles per hour. Then as we head uh, into the afternoon, still a chance for rain. Temperatures still on the cool side, upper 60s, lower 70s. That chance for rain on and off and a northeast wind at 10 to 20 miles per hour. Now as we head towards the game, kickoff 630. Temperatures now falling into the 60s. So almost a chill in the air, upper 60s by kickoff, a chance for a shower, a thunderstorm, and a northeast wind dying down at 5 to 15 miles per hour. By halftime, middle 60s, that chance for rain still sticking around, and that northeast wind at 5 to 10 miles per hour. By the end of the game, right around 60 degrees uh, for the temperature and with a chance for showers and thunderstorms. Boy, make sure you have that parka packed and uh, make sure your poncho packed because uh, the chance for rain is going to be out there. And with temperatures dropping into the 60s, lower 60s, It'll be a little chilly, especially if you get wet from all the rain potential. So uh, if you want more updates, you can follow my social media pages. That's uh, Husker Weather. Also my personal one, Rusty WX. I do forecasts every day on that one. And also you can follow the Hale Varsity channels and all of their social media channels and website. Go Big Red. And we're into the second half where games are won or lost. That's actually not true. You can win or lose a game in the first half too, but it just sounds better if you focus on the second half. So let's get down to it. What does Nebraska need to do 
against this Georgia Southern team. As mentioned, with Clay Helton now running the show in Statesboro, this is no longer the tough-nosed option team that its fan base probably still identifies with. Instead, the Eagles are a pass-first spread team, like most of college football, to be honest. Um, And that kind of informs everything here. So how does Nebraska win this game? Key number one for me, keep the big passing plays down. Brass tacks right out of the gates. If Georgia Southern is to have a chance at an outright upset here, the only way that materializes, in my mind at least, is with big plays in the passing game. Maybe might require a lot of them. Against Morgan State, which was 2-9 a year ago, picked to finish, finish last in its conference and playing its first game under a new head coach who did, just took the job this summer, Georgia Southern hit for an explosive pass against the Bears on 19.6% of dropbacks. Normally, that would be a pretty high number, but this was week one, full of mismatches and general first-game messiness across the country, so it only ranked 62nd nationally after last week. Still, Georgia Southern has some solid receivers. Vantrese is a savvy, experienced quarterback. The Eagles are likely going to attempt 40 to 45 passes in this game. Even though this is a team transitioning to a new offense after running an option-based system, this might already be the best passing game Nebraska has faced thus far. You think about Northwestern. (laughs) Ryan Kalinske had one of his best games, probably his best game, as a Northwestern Wildcat. But it's not a team that you say, well, they could throw it 50 times a game and beat us. North Dakota, as we talked about last week, came in with a pretty accurate quarterback in Tommy Schuster, career completion percentage of 65%, but that was a lot of short passing. It also is a team that's not going to beat you throwing 50 times a game. Georgia Southern, at some point in the future, probably, might be a team that can beat you throwing that often. The good news for Nebraska is the pass defense has been stronger than the run defense to this point. The Huskers are giving up an explosive pass on just 12% of attempts through two games. Nebraska's 5.9 yards allowed per pass attempt is only slightly above average, but it's still above average. The weakness so far has been the completion percentage, 68%, which ranks 101st. That's a weakness you can live with for now. You'd like to see it come down a little bit. But it's unlikely this Georgia Southern team is going to nickel and dime its way down the field consistently via the pass. The key for Nebraska is avoiding the big passing plays. A 15% explosive pass rate probably gets it done for the Huskers. That's higher than Nebraska's season average, again, 12%, but would be about average nationally most years. Assuming about 40 attempts for Georgia Southern on Saturday, That would be no more than six passing plays of 15 plus yards. So have your pen and paper handy if you want to track that one. Key number two for a Nebraska win on Saturday. No backfield breaches. After two games, the Huskers are about average in tackles for loss allowed, averaging 4.5 per game. It's ranked 60th. Georgia Southern had five in its season opener from five different players. Like a lot of defenses trying to find their way, negative plays can often be the difference between winning and losing. 
it was last year in this 2022 Georgia Southern defense didn't really show in the opener that it's drastically different or better from a season ago in 2021 Georgia State averaged nine tackles for loss in its three wins which was fifth nationally Average 5.7, which is still good, 46th in nine losses. But it goes to show you just how much this defense needed those plays, needing to hit nine or to average nine in, albeit three wins, is, is an absurdly high number. Nebraska's offensive line hasn't really assuaged any of the offseason concern in its first two outings, at least in my view. The Huskers' front has struggled to keep pressure off Casey Thompson at times has struggled to open holes in the run game most of the time. And yet, Anthony Grant has still rushed for 290 yards. A, a note on Grant. Clay Helton, former USC coach, of course, said this week during his press conference that he thinks Grant could be one of the best running backs in the country in 2022. So, nice plot it there for Nebraska's new addition. This season is already feeling like last season for Nebraska in that offensively at least, it might be defined by how well the Huskers can work around a shaky offensive line. (laughs) It's not the thing you want to hear going into game number three. Uh, I think I made it to game number five maybe last year before I wrote that column that said basically the same thing, yet here we are again. That said, in this game, the Husker offense should be able to attack the Eagles with the run or the pass. Georgia Southern is always going to be more individually talented than your average G5 team. Mark Whipple essentially said the same thing in the opening quote for this show. And individuals winning matchups can always lead to negative plays. Negative plays can dead-end drives. Nebraska probably doesn't have to be drastically better at avoiding tackles for loss than it has been to this point. Just a little bit better to stay truly comfortable. Put this number at four. Keep the tackles for loss at four or under and the Huskers should be fine. Key number three. Do you have the time? Of the 120 game minutes of football Nebraska has played so far this season, the Husker offense has had the ball for less than 50 minutes, 49-47 to be exact. Against North Dakota last week, the offense had the ball for 23-59. Against Northwestern, it was 25-48. Time of possession isn't everything, but it's hard to win consistently with a 10-minute deficit each time out. You have to be super explosive and convert in the red zone at a high, high rate to make that amount of possession work if you're an offense. Think Chip Kelly-era Oregon if you need a visual. If the reason your time of possession is low is because you're going up and down the field at will, no problem. If you're not going up and down the field, it can be a problem. That's part of the reason why Nebraska's offense might be a little undervalued right now. It has its issues, the O-line foremost among them, but the biggest issue might be that it hasn't had the ball enough. After two games, Nebraska is averaging .488 points per play. It's not an amazing number, but it's better than any frost season to this point. A lot better. The Huskers' high for a season under frost is .414, set in 2018. Last year was .403. At his press conference in the middle of the week, Whipple brought this point up. Said if you can average about a point for every other play, you're doing pretty good. And that's that's true. I always love when a coach kind of gives you a, a peek at 
what sort of their internal thresholds or metrics to hit are. And for Whipple, you're talking about 0.5 points per play. His pit team in 2021 averaged 0.542 points per play. That translated to about 41 points a game. Nebraska's 2022 offense isn't in that class yet, but at 0.488, might be closer than you would have guessed after two games. Stay on the field more, and more people might notice what this offense is actually achieving in terms of point scoring. I mean, we're not talking about a 40-point-per-game offense to this point, but it hasn't been bad given just how little the Huskers have actually had the ball. Having it more is going to require some help from the defense, of course. Black shirts have allowed too many long drives through two games. You hope you can shore that up. But this key will be very simple to monitor. Just win time of possession. Nebraska probably doesn't have to do that to win. But if you'd like to have a game that leaves you feeling good as Oklahoma comes to town next week, that might be the easiest way to get there. That's this week's show. Thanks as always for listening. As we do each week, I will urge you, if you like the show, do your podcast chores, rate and review it, tell a friend, subscribe. Better yet, subscribe to Hail Varsity. If you go to hailvarsity.com slash subscribe and use the promo code I80 as a listener of this show, you can get a discount on your subscription, which gets you 11 monthly issues of what I think is a very, very fine magazine. So thanks as always for listening. We'll catch you next week when Oklahoma comes to town. A Huda Media Production.